1: Does your life outside the church, which may include the privacy of your own home, reflect the reality of what you proclaim inside the church on a weekly basis, but especially when you proclaim the death of Christ by taking communion?
2: join us now for grace to the bay as we glorify the lord jesus christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher dr roger chen grace to the bay is the radio outreach of grace church of the bay area located in san mateo if you are blessed by dr chen's message and are looking for a church home you're invited to come worship with them now here is dr chen
1: This is why it is so important for the believer that, as I said earlier, it is sin to forsake it, but also why it is sin for the unbeliever to take it. More on that next week. But let's move on to our fourth fact to remember to help us worship through communion. The Lord's table initiated the new covenant. Talk about changing the world. The Lord's table initiated the new covenant. Look at verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What in the world does that mean? First, we are told that just as he took the bread, in the same way he took the cup, we're told after supper, Quite possible he did broke the bread and then they had the meal and then he took the cup. Doesn't matter uh, for our purposes. And While the bread illustrated his sacrifice, his body, the cup highlights the new covenant. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, he said. Same thing, it is a representation of his blood and not his actual blood that he was holding. But what does this mean? His blood is the new covenant. Obviously, he was looking forward to looking ahead, not looking forward like eagerly, looking forward, knowing that his blood would be spilt quite soon. What does this mean? Remember back at that Last Supper, not to be confused with the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper, the Passover meal with the disciples, Jesus was eating the Passover meal. If you're not familiar, this was the once a year celebration of God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Referred to as Passover, because a sacrificial lamb was killed and the blood of the lamb was, as God directed Moses to direct the Israelites, to be put on the posts and the lintel, what we would just call the door frame today, of the Israelites' home. Then the Lord sent the destroyer, often referred to as the angel of death, to kill all the firstborn of Egypt, but, and here's the word, passed over the homes that had the blood on the doorframe in other words the israelites to put it quite simply the blood of the lamb had protected them from death later in the midst of the wandering in the desert the lord through moses instituted an agreement known as a covenant with the israelites we refer this to this as the old covenant I want you to see it in your Bibles, Exodus 24, verses 4 through 8. Where we learn about the ratifying of the old covenant. Exodus 24, verses 4 through 8. The key for our purposes this morning is verse 8, but I want to read the whole passage. 4 through 8, Exodus 24. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. Okay, you catch that? He's collecting the blood in a bowl. And these are large animals. It's a lot of blood and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar that he had just built. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Verse 8, so Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Okay, to be clear, the covenant, the agreement, the contract which the Lord has made with all of you. But it was ratified, it was sealed with blood. The covenant between God and His people was ratified with the shedding of blood. Do you see where we're going with this? The blood foreshadowed, typified, remember we talked about this a few weeks ago? Type, and also promised the blood of a final lamb that was to come, that lamb turned out to be a person, Jesus Christ. The new covenant being promised in the Old Testament during the Old Covenant in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31.31. Fast forward to the Last Supper and the events that followed. Jesus declares that the cup represents the blood of the new covenant. The blood of the bowls in the basins, old covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ, new covenant. Then hours later, he ratifies the new covenant with the shedding of blood on the cross. This time, his own. And in so doing... From Old Covenant to New Covenant, the Passover is transformed into the Lord's Supper. We don't do it just once a year, we do it more often than that, various church to church. We do it once a month here. But do you understand that all of that wonder, all of that beauty, all of that blood, we are celebrating? what has taken the place of the Passover for the Israelites. Because of his blood and the faith that he has given us, if you are a believer, you could say that there is a day at the judgment seat where those who are being sent to eternal damnation, we will be passed over from that damnation because of the blood of the Lamb the lamb who incidentally had no bone broken. We know he was the one. We know it was him. The temporary protection of the specific individuals in Egypt became the promise of eternal salvation for all who believe. The blood of Christ represented in the Lord's table initiated the new covenant. So when we celebrate the Lord's table, we remember the reality of the new covenant that we can be saved, though Gentile. The world can be saved, though many are Gentile. And it's permanent. There's no temple to go to week after week, shedding blood. Over and over, knowing that it's not permanent, knowing that it's temporary, knowing that you know I gotta save up because I gotta do this again because I know I'm gonna get angry, I know I'm gonna be impatient, I know I'm gonna be proud, and I need to offer that sin offering once again. Permanent. Done. It's not just a cup and a piece of wafer, it represents the new covenant. What because of this cup and what it represents, the new covenant? What would not exist without it? In other words, what can we remember when we celebrate the Lord's table and the new covenant? Uh, Some minor things like the church, not just this church, the church. The millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of Christians that have ever lived and will ever live. Eternal salvation offered to the world. Eternal forgiveness of sins. New covenant. Ratified by what is represented in that little cup. Speaking of the world, we have our fifth fact to remember to help you worship through communion. Although the Lord's table is for believers and glorifies God, there is an aspect of communion that is for the world, the unbelieving world. The fifth fact is the Lord's table informs the world. It informs the world. Look at verse 26. Four, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is power in the gathering of God's people and the truths we proclaim. I'm going to say that again. There is power in the gathering of God's people and the truths we proclaim. Elsewhere in the Bible, that power is called salt and light. And when Paul begins this verse with the word for, he is explaining the reason for the Lord's command. Paul is saying, when you assemble for this reason, communion, you must consider this. And what we are to consider is that we are proclaiming something at the communion, and that is the Lord's death. And our salvation. To proclaim something means more than just remember, as we've been talking about. It may, means to make a solemn announcement. It refers to public preaching or publishing something. You only publish something if you want to disseminate it to other people. As believers, our testimony is centered around the truth of the gospel, and when we live out the gospel, when we speak biblical truth, when we evangelize, we are being salt and light to the world. We are proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand the central hub, the base of what we do and whom we are is the local assembly, the church, the local church. This Sunday mornings, it's our hub, it's our HQ. And when we come together to take communion, an act that you understand is foreign to the world, and by the way, of which there is no record in Scripture of it being taken outside of an assembly of believers, in other words, outside of a local church, you proclaim to the world that you are not ashamed of the blood of Christ. In other words, the Lord's Supper. This is great. The Lord's Supper is the great preacher of the death of Christ. Going back to the Corinthians, if this was truly recognized by them, then for sure they wouldn't be overindulging, shaming others, allowing others to go hungry as they were doing, as we saw last week. Similarly, with this truth recognized, we will not just go through the motions. We will keep our minds from wandering or otherwise take communion lightly in any way. We do it the first Sunday of every month. We did it last week. We try to do our best to remind you the week before. And I know for many people, when they know communion is coming, that whole week is terrifying for them. Largely because of what we're going to see next week and taking communion in a worthy manner. And that Saturday and that Saturday night, they go to bed early, they get all prayed up, they reconcile, they confess, they repent, because they understand the seriousness and the severity of all that we've been talking about. This is a big deal. And when we understand all of this, you'll understand why Paul goes on to say in the passage we're going to look at next week that if you do it in an unworthy manner, you're drinking judgment to yourself. You're eating extra judgment to yourself. Even for the unbeliever, somehow their judgment is worse if they take communion in an unworthy manner. And there is a reminder also for us. We don't live perfect lives. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that I know this week there were several people that had to have card conversations about stuff that had happened, my wife included, to call up someone she hardly knows and says, "We have communion coming. Can we reconcile?" Families in our church that I know of did that this week, and praise God for that. Praise God. No matter how much you want to dig in your heels, no matter how much you want to fight, no matter how much you want to keep that argument going, the silent treatment, communion is bigger than that. It's more important. And what it symbolizes far outweighs any disagreements in your family or outside of your family or wherever. Any pleasures of sin, any struggles with impurity, And he fights with pride and anger. We cannot take communion lightly. We're talking about proclaiming. On a practical note, in today's church we do this in private. No one's looking in. We're on a live stream right now, but chances are it's only other believers. So where's the proclamation? We're still proclaiming. But the point is that what communion represents also represents what we are to be about. So every Sunday, but in particular this Sunday, because we're taking communion, does your life outside the church reflect the reality of what you proclaim inside the church? It's a rhetorical question because in the sense that I want you to ponder that. I don't want you to yell out your answer. But I do want to give you a heads up. That is one of the questions for those of you who go to small group. Because you need to answer that question. Does your life outside the church, which may include the privacy of your own home, Reflect the reality of what you proclaim inside the church on a weekly basis, but especially when you proclaim the death of Christ by taking communion. The table informs the world. Finally, the sixth fact to remember is the Lord's table indicates the Lord's return. The Lord's table indicates the Lord's return. Look at how he finishes this passage in verse 26. Until he comes. Powerful promise. The Lord's table ju- doesn't just look at the past, his sacrifice, or the present, our faith, but the future, the return of the Lord. In all three gospel accounts of the institution of the Lord's Supper, Jesus says that he will not drink this cup again until the kingdom of God arrives. And in Matthew's record, Jesus says, drink it with you, speaking to the disciples. I think we often get distracted in the taking of the elements of the Lord's table because of the multitude of things that occupy our minds on a daily basis. Most of us remember a day where there are no distractions anywhere you go because no one can get a hold of you through your pocket. They leave a message on your answering machine. They mail you a letter, <laughs> fax you a form, even emails. You couldn't check it on your phone. But now we got all these things going on. Life has gotten busier. there's so many things distracting us. We get distracted. Things occupy our minds every single day, every minute of every day. Some of you are tired right now. Because there are things going on in your head all night you couldn't sleep because of that work project, because of your sick uncle or whatever it may be. We have stuff going on. But like that upcoming vacation, but obviously so much more than that, we take communion in part to focus on and look forward to his return. You've done that. This is the busiest season of our company. But after that, we all get two weeks vacation. You stress, you stress, you stress. You're, stress, you're, stress, and you're like, ah, oh, but that vacation with my wife and kids. Some of you might even print out a, a picture of the beach you're going to or a picture of Disneyland and put it on your cubicle. Oh, just got to muscle through it. But yeah, it's coming. It's coming. In the busyness of daily life, we have this regular reminder in communion that no matter how hard things may be, in just our own daily battle and struggle with sin, let alone dealing with other people's sin, other people's pride, other people's impatience, anger, self- sense of self-entitlement, corruption, driven by money, all those things that the world pushes on us that we, uh, we, we have to be a part of because we have unbelieving family members and we have unbelieving co-workers and we work for unbelieving bosses. We look to this cup like that picture of that island paradise and say, the Lord is coming again. The Lord is coming again. The Lord is coming again. It doesn't give us an excuse to to be immoral or irresponsible or a bad steward. But we find relief that this isn't everything. Everything. This isn't all. Even in sickness, when there's no direct sin involved, we know the Lord is coming again and were they believers, we will meet again. We will greet. We will hug, shake hands, whatever they do in eternity. I don't know. Point, join the chorus. That's going to be the best. The story is not over. But friends, we're in the homestretch. You see, Christ's death wasn't the end, but the beginning of the end. We're in the end. We're in the homestretch. The story is not over, and communion is a regular reminder, not only that the story is not over, but the end of the story is so much more. But without any of this, no viruses, no sin, no clicking talk on our lives, no death, no sickness, no sadness, no sadness. So we take communion, and we remember the past, but we also look forward to the future. Six facts to remember to help you worship through communion. The Lord's table was instituted by Christ himself. The Lord's table illustrates the sacrifice of Christ. The Lord's table identifies the Christian with Christ. The Lord's table initiated the new covenant. The Lord's table informs the world. And the Lord's table indicates his promised return. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful reminder of what we are to remember. I pray that we would be a people who appreciate all that we've looked at, not just appreciating your coming return when things are hard, not just having faith when going through a trial not just remembering the gospel when we are struggling with sin, but may we remember all of these wonderful things every day. And may we get that extra boost every time we take the Lord's table. However each of us may have taken it, Lord, may we have a greater depth of worship in taking the Lord's table this morning And every time we take communion until indeed we see you face to face. Help us to worship through communion. Glorify yourself through our hearts and our minds and our memorializing in communion. Protect us from taking it in an unworthy manner. Protect us from just going through the motions. We thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you that this is based on something and something huge. May we remember, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org.